Hey, this is Derek Duncan from the Feed the Ball podcast. You're listening to State of the Game, the golf podcast that started it all. Be sure to check out the Talking Golf Network at TalkingGolf.com, the home of golf's most engaging discussions. And welcome to episode 96 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. My name is Rod Murray, and as we continue to plough through this major season where there is seemingly a Grand Slam event every other week, what matters is top flight professional golf and some of the behind the scenes intricacies of how it works. Case in point, next week's Irish Open on the European Tour, which kickstarts the run to the Open Championship. Former Ryder Cup captain, now Irish Open host Paul McGinley will be along in just a moment to talk all things La Hinch and what an exciting prospect the week is. But first, let me introduce my co-hosts and the real stars of the show from the US, blogger, critic, author, golf channel analyst, commentator on all facets of the game, Jeff Shackelford. Jeff, looking forward to chatting with Paul. If I'm not mistaken, he's the first Ryder Cup captain we've spoken to on the pod. We've spoken about them, but I don't think we've ever spoken to one. Oh, and we've spoken <laughs> so kindly of them all. Uh, never said anything derogatory <laughs> that I can recall about <laughs> them being car drivers or anything. So looking forward to hearing from them. It's an exciting thing, the, uh, the Irish Open going to La Hinch. It's an extremely exciting thing, and I'm looking forward to hearing about that too. From down here in Australia, no doubt warming himself in front of the fire as he was the last time we caught up. Course architect, writer, critic, analyst, caddy, and almost any other golf-related role you can think of. Mike Clayton. Clayton, I'm sure you know today's guest uh, somewhat pretty well. Did your careers overlap by much? I think Paul joined the tour in about 1991. He's a bit younger than you, but I'm sure you know each other. I did. I remember Paul and I played together in Mallorca, I think, when I want to say he lost the tournament, but, uh, which he kind of did in a way. But um, Jose Maria Lazabal won, but I think that was probably probably your first go at winning, and it didn't take you long to figure it out. Yeah, hi, hi Clayton. Uh, yeah, I remember it well. Uh, I remember it well because I finished double bogey par and then uh, and bogey the playoff hole to lose to Ali and then he went on to win the Masters a couple of weeks later but I remember first time I played at Youth Lates and, and uh, uh, actually before that and uh, we had missed the cut and we were having a beer, we were at the airport and you said to me in your very imitable Australian accent hey kid you've got nothing to worry about you got plenty of game <laughs> <That> <laughs> so, they were kind <laughs> words uh, to a young rookie who'd missed the cut <laughs> there you go, fantastic. Well, let me introduce the guest that we can already hear. What an honour it is to get to chat to one of the most engaging personalities in the game. He's a four-time European Tour winner, though, of course, Clayton goes straight to the loss. That's what he likes to focus on. But likely best remembered by most as the captain of the victorious 2014 European Ryder Cup team, Paul McGinley. Paul, it's good to have you along. Thanks for making some time. We want to talk about the Irish Open today. Did I get that right in the intro? Are you officially the host? I know your foundation is the host, but are you officially the host of the Irish Open this year? Yeah, actually, it's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I am, yeah. I, I'm, I'm the host. Yeah. Um, oh, no, actually, no. My foundation's the host. Yeah. Just like the Rory Foundation was the host. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, make, uh, we'll make hopefully six figures um, uh, in terms of raising funds for my, my foundation that week. And I'm leaving in the local community, the local national school, boys and girls up to the age of 12 are looking to get a new uh, Gaelic football pitch there that's astroturfed uh, so they can play in the wintertime and, 
that's uh, that's what our goal is to hopefully uh, achieve, go a long way to achieving that for them. Fantastic, because we, we know of these foundations, and I don't think we ever really hear about the work that they actually do. So, uh, good yeah. The way these foundations work, though, Paul, isn't it? It's kind of you and Mrs. McGinley, you're the chief cook and bottle washer. So, if the foundation's hosting, you're hosting. I think that's how it works, isn't it? That's the reality of it. <laughs> that's exactly how it works. Yeah. And, uh, Mrs. McGinley has a lot more say in it than I do, and uh, she wants to do something with kids. Our foundation, um, our mission is, is about about kids. You know, we've helped young Irish ballet uh, kids, uh, you know, get uh, get the funding in place to come over. And the first Irish kid in 36 years ever been invited to be part of the Royal Ballet. We, you know, my wife very much helped uh, get that happen for him and funded for him because he wasn't from a, a wealthy family. It's an expensive thing to do, and you know, it's not just golf. There's lo- anything at all with, with young people involved, and um, we try to help them. The local national school, it was a, it was a good timing. They were looking to do this AstroTurf for the play area, and uh, we were in the right place at the right time, and hopefully we can go a long way to, to making that happen for them. That's great stuff. I love the idea that it's it's not just golf either. We get very insular in golf sometimes, don't we? So lovely to see that golf is doing something outside of it. We, we, in fact, we were just discussing before you joined us, Paul, the image problem that golf has in a lot of parts of the world, where it's seen as a rich man's sport and not part of the general community. So all that sort of work you're doing helps to break down some of those myths because uh, none of those are right. Yeah as we all know. None of which has got anything to do with the Irish Open, Paul. So let's talk about the Irish Open. And I think probably for the three of us here, the most exciting prospect about the Irish Open is the course. We're all course geeks. Le Hinch is such an amazing venue, an amazing course. I played it in 1997, which was a couple of million double bogeys ago. So my <laughs> memories are a little bit hazy about the course itself. Tell us a bit about, about Le Hinch. I think most people who've been on a you know, sort of a golf pilgrimage to Ireland, have probably played the course. It's a really unusual venue for a professional event and a bold move to take it there, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, one of the main things when I became host, you know, I don't have the full say, but I do have a say in, in where the venue should be. Um, and I looked at, you know, the Open Championship was 2019, going to be in Royal Port Rush up in the north of Ireland. And I looked at the north of the country from Dublin North. We're not a very good country, as you know, in Ireland. And I looked at, you know, all the crowds and I looked at all the commerciality and everything was going to be drained in that direction uh, for the Open Championship. And we were two weeks before the Open Championship. So I was obviously looking down south and I was looking, where are we going to go? And, and then, when I, you know, the, the, the one that was outstanding for me was, um, was the Hinch. I have a strong affinity with it. Um, all the Irish guys on tour, Podrick, Shane, uh, Graham, you know, we've all won there. Ironically, Rory is the one who hasn't won there because the South of Ireland has played there as an amateur. So we've all got an affinity with it. Um, it's, uh, you know, referred to it as like a favourite auntie. Everybody seems to love um, not just the golf course, the town. Um, there's something about it. It's a really cool place to be. They had the World Surfing Championships there a couple, couple uh, championships there a couple of years ago. And, and it's, a, it's a, just a, a homely place um, with a really historic golf course, actually, right? You know, going back to, I mean, it's 130 years old now, you know, and some of the great designers, you know, you know, Alistair McKenzie was involved in the, in the original design. Old Tom Morris was the first guy in the door, you know. So there's a great history there, and it's evolved over time into a really good test for the players. Um, it's not a par 72 like it is for the members. I brought it down to a par 70, and I think it's going to be a really good test. Like all good golf courses, though, Lynx golf courses in particular, it needs a bit of help from the weather, and hopefully we're going to have bright and breezy conditions. Mm. It, it, um, I, said, I said I said bold there. Is it bold? It's not a... It's not the sort of course that most of those coming from internationally will have experienced before. It's going to be something very, very different. We saw this with, I suppose, Gowan hosting the Scottish Open a couple of years ago. It was a similar sort of a bowl. It's a very different sort of golf, but it does seem to have hit a nerve, Paul, this notion of proper links golf in the run-up to the Open. We've seen it in the last few years. It's really proved quite a, quite a popular and, and, and uh, sensible move, hasn't it? It really promotes that sort of golf. 
Yeah, you know, I, I've always felt so, uh, Rod. I've, al- I've always felt personally that way. You know, if you look at Roger Federer before he plays Wimbledon, you know, they play a couple of weeks on grass, and then you know, before they play the U.S. Open, they play a couple of tournaments on hard court, and they get they get used to those conditions because the ball bounces different. It's a different style of golf. It requires a different skill set, a different mentality, and and Lynx golf is no different. It really is a very contrasting game of golf to what the PGA Tour players will play on a week-to-week basis uh, on the PGA Tour. So um, that's why this uh, Link series was introduced. And, um, you know, most players will either choose either the Irish or the Scottish and play one of those two before they play the uh, the Open Championship now. And, and I think that's a shrewd thing to do. Yeah, indeed. Shaq, you'll be looking forward to the Irish Open. I think you, like me, are probably interested to see the course. But what else do we need to grill grill Paul about with the Irish Open? It's a big-time event, uh, huge logistical <laughs> exercise to, to put it on, and especially in a place like the Inch, I would have thought, Shaq. Well, I uh, did an interview with Paul earlier for my website, so I know a few of the uh, of the, the places he might go. Um, but I, I, I would love to ask, just on that topic you just left, it seems like, Paul, a few years ago, players were scared off from playing too much links golf a lot of players would would cite there it would it, it could it could me- mess with their swing if they played too many weeks in a row in links golf are we kind of over that now have the the guys have do you, you hear any of that uh, kind of uh, concern about playing events uh, and too many in links uh, on links courses i i don't hear that i certainly not a noise Good. i hear anymore um i think um you know, you look back to Tom Watson when he was winning, you know, Open Championships. He used to come to Ballybunion year after year. Tiger Woods used to go to Waterville and David Duval. Those guys spent a lot of time down in Waterville and places like that, Ballybunion, you know, honing their skills before we had these, um, the, you know, because the Scottish Open back then used to be in, in, in Loch Lomond, which is mm. very much an American-style course. So I think the players have come round. And, you know, what I've learned about professional golfers without being kind to them because I'm one myself is that we're like sheep and we see success somewhere and we see somebody having success um, doing something, we all follow. And uh, I think what you've seen the last number of years is the guys who have, who have played the Scottish Open um, have gone on then to win um, the, the Open Championship. And, uh, you know, and if it, they don't play the Scottish Open, they, 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 they play the, the Irish. And, you know, they've had that input in, in, in that kind of cutting the teeth and getting used to the bounce of the ball and stuff like that on, on Lynx golf courses. So I think it's here and it's here to stay. Um, and I certainly do hope it is because it's a different style of golf, as we all know. And I know we're all, you know, lovers of architecture uh, on the phone here. And, and uh, you know, it's the heart and soul of the game for me. I mean, there's, there's no other game like golf. As beautiful as Pebble Beach is and Augusta National is, there's nothing like the heart and soul that, that Lynx Golf gives you. And, and yeah. every year when you see it on the screen, Clates, you're reminded, aren't you? It's like, wow, that's right. That's what golf's supposed to look like. I think that's that like- every year when it comes around, this run up to the Open. Yeah, I remember, Paulie, when I first went to Europe, I played in the Irish Open in 1982 at Port Marnock. And it had been there for a number of years before that, perhaps since the late 70s. And it was a great tournament at Port Marnock. And it was, we went and played at Mount Juliet. I don't know when we went there, but um, Druid's Glen. It just kind of, the K-Club, I think we played the Irish Open a bit, maybe not. But it just seemed to lose what made it great which was playing at Port Marnock on the links, and it was such a great city to play the tournament in. And you know, it's, it's obviously gone back that the last few years they've gone back and played a whole bunch of links courses, which have been terrific. If we- yeah, and, and that's it. You know, what I'm trying to create in this one, plates more, more than, you know, as much as a great golf tournament on a great golf course, what I really want to create is back to that spirit of the early 1980s when you would have played it and the 90s, because... 
back then all the top players came the circus came to town you know we didn't have sky sports we didn't have this you know complete um you know uh coverage of golf on a week-to-week basis the big yeah. stars came in all of these big stars came in from playing in augusta only a month later now you see them playing a pop monarch it was like a festival atmosphere the circus was in town it was just an amazing atmosphere and that's what i tried to create down in um down in the little southwest country sleepy town of Lahinch, down in the southwest of Ireland, is is that this circus is coming to town the world stage is coming it's going to be held in your little local village and, and try to get the buy-in of the local people and and you know, thankfully, we've got that. You know, we're, we're almost at a stage now, I'm hoping to complete it this week, where we, we, we announce sellout crowds, which is incredible considering the Open is on two weeks later, that people have bought in the way they have done. And, and, and that's what I want to create is a real festival and lots of activities around it. Yes, golf is always the centerpiece, and it, it will always be the centerpiece, and the golfers will take center stage. But, you know, we're going to have, you know, little little stages up in the village. We're going to have pedestrian areas in the village every evening, and we're going to have, you know, people on the streets having a drink and lots of activities for families and, you know, bands playing the diddly diddly Irish music in evening time and that kind of stuff. And, and that's what I want to create is that real festival atmosphere that you would have experienced, certainly, in, in Port Marnock in the early 80s and 90s. Okay, Paul, well, let's let me draw a long bow here just stay with me a bit the Vic Open is a great tournament in Australia the men's and women's thing and it's played in Bowen Heads which is a little very much it's the closest thing to a Scottish town in Australia but my connection is that um, Niall Horan's manager was well no um, Mark was down at the boss of Modest Golf he was down checking it out and he's taken the same format up to Niall's tournament in the North of Ireland, yeah. I think. But I see that Niall's playing in the Pro-Am and you know, we've often spoken on this podcast about what an important kind of part of golf he is in terms of getting to a demographic that 40 million followers on Twitter who just think golf's an old man's game. So it's fantastic yeah. that he's involved. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been working now for quite a while to try to get him there, uh, Clay, so we finally got him over the line on Monday. Um, and he's been great. He's been terrific. And, and you know, though, you're absolutely right. Those kind of guys are so important um, to the game, um, so important to growing the game, and so important to understand that, that, you know, golf is a cool game, you know, as well. And you can be cool playing golf. And, um, you know, the other side of golf as well, too, uh, as much as Nile is important and growing it for the kids and all that, it's an unbelievable business vehicle um, that sometimes we don't, we're not proud of that. We hide behind it. No, no, we can't have corporate governance and all of those things. We have to stay away from them. We can't be seen to be doing that. But we should be proud of it that the links that are created in business through golf. I mean, I know so many wealthy people here, as you would place from playing golf, playing in pro-ams. And I always ask the same question. How important has golf been for your success in business? And I've yet to meet one of them who, who didn't say hugely or massively. Um, and, you know, that's an important part as well of, of developing the game and why young people and university students in particular, uh, boys and girls, should be looking at golf and say, you know what, you know, it's a competitive world out there and I want climb to the, climb the business ladder and I want to climb the, 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 the ladder corporately that, you know, there's different vehicles you can use, and obviously education is one of them. But you know, there's there's ways of doing it as well too uh, through sport, and, and golf is the best vehicle of doing that. Through, you know, you can play men and women of all categories and all standards can can play together and, and, and group together and spend time together. And where else are you going to do that as you climb the corporate ladder in business? You're not going to do it at tennis, are you? You've you've gone down a rabbit hole there. I didn't expect, Paul. I'm not going to pursue it because we could be here all day, and <laughs> you don't have enough time to finish your own thought on what you've started there. I just wanted to come back quickly to this village idea. We've come full circle, haven't we? Golf became this big time sport, television sport. We consume it for the most part through television, 
and it kind of lost something. There is nothing better than golf on the ground and being a spectator. Now, a lot of logistics experts would have said to you, Paul, Le Hinch can't host the Irish Open. The place is too small. It's not up to it. It seems to me like you've taken that and actually turned it into an advantage because it's small, because it's got a village feel. Let's work with that. Am I on the right track there? I mean, it's a free kick for you, but there's something in that. Isn't it? What Clay says about the Vic Open is right. It's a small seaside town, but the, the vibe, as we call it here in Australia, is fantastic at that event because of it. Well, you just hit on a really important point there, Rod. You know, I'm on the board of the European Tour and the Ryder Cup, and we had we had two meetings on them on last Monday, and that was the presentation that I made. Is that you know, let's not be afraid of of moving our tournaments um, in 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 areas and countries in particular that have got a golfing history and a golfing background. Let's not be afraid of moving them to the small, sleepy towns that we regard as oh no, that's not corporate enough, or oh, that's not a capital city. We can't go there. We just proved it. With Tommy Fleetwood proved it by going up to Liverpool and, you know, in Hillside, a small town, a small place just outside Liverpool that had never had um, a big, um, a big sporting, a, a big golf tournament there. I know it's next door to, to Birkdale, but it's Hillside had never, never hosted it, and yet we'd sell out crowds up there. Um, even though the field wasn't what would be perceived now as a stellar field, and and we've done it down in down in uh, down in La Hinch, where we've got sell out not just in in, in terms of crowd and, and very close to it, but we're also going to be sold out. Um, from, uh, from the corporate side. So, you know, it's amazing when you move outside the city. Um, these people are starved of sporting success. And, and the major cities, a lot of the big tournaments and the big sporting events all gravitate towards the major cities. And sometimes let's just think outside the box and move it into places that have got a history. Um, and, and when you get a great canvas, um, you know, you can create great things. And I think that's what I have down in, down in the hinges, not just the canvas in terms of the golf course in the town, but the people involved in the club itself um, who are really keen and energized to make it happen. And when you have that, that's when magic happens. What I love about that, Paul, is that golf is uniquely placed to be able to do that. You can't take the NFL Super Bowl or the FA Cup final to a small place and have a yeah. – you just can't do it. But you can do it with golf tournaments, can't you? And congratulations to you for sort of uh, – for being a part of bringing that back there. Now, I know you haven't got much time, so I'm going to give you a free kick here. What haven't I asked you about the Irish Open that you need to tell us about? Why should people be tuning in and what are we going to see? I know that Rory not playing is a disappointment, but you've sold out the tournament by the sound of it regardless. That tells us something in itself, does it not? Uh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Rony not playing is a huge um, was a huge blow for us, and but we've recovered. And as I say, the people are really rallied behind, and it's going to be a, going to be a great event. But you know, I'm not here to sell it. Um, it's 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 a golf tournament that I'm putting on. If people love it, wonderful, great. I really have a strong belief um, of what makes a great tournament, how to put it all together. Um, there's so many areas I've dived right in head first, deeper as, as deep as I could get into how a tournament is put on. Um, in dealing with all kind of facets of it, and and I I treat it as a learning experience as well as everything else, and and, and I really enjoyed it. I think we've got an iconic golf course uh, in, in La Hinch um, that the players are going to really enjoy playing. It's going to be great prep uh, for the Open Championship two weeks later for those who play. I've been working and, and communicating with the RNA and keeping an eye on what they're doing at Port Rush, and I've, as best I can, I've aligned the golf course in terms of green speeds and fairway widths and rough heights to what they're what they're planning on doing up in in Port Rush. And so, from the players' perspective, I'm kind of ticking all those boxes on a pure links golf course that's right by the seas with topography that's not massively different and runoff areas in ter- terms of uh, um, um, you know green complexes that are not hugely dissimilar in what the players are going to face up in Port Rush. And then the festival atmosphere is the big thing. That's the thing to really create that family atmosphere where it's it's people of all ages. You know, it's it's not just people coming on the streets and you know having a few drinks, but there's loads for the family to do as well. And we've got 
bands playing, we got the diddly music, we got dancing going on, we got face painters, we got all of those things going on, and a pedestrianised area in the evening. So it's a kind of a festival, a festival of golf, and and uh, showcasing what you know what is a beautiful, spectacular scenery on, on a great historic golf course in Ireland. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I, I wish I was going to be. Anybody who's been to Ireland will be able to imagine in their own mind what that festival atmosphere is going to be like, and it will be <laughs> fantastic. Paul, we'll let you go for the moment. You're going to talk yourself hoarse in the next week, I'm sure, with all of the appearances you've no doubt got to do to talk about the tournament. We appreciate you taking some time to talk to us, but more importantly, will you come back and open some of those cans of worms with us one day? I'd love to be able to sit and talk to you for about an hour about golf and what it means and where it's going. It would be fantastic. So if you can find some time in the future, we'd love oh. to do it with you. Absolutely, right. I mean, listen, I, I, I listen to your podcast and, you know, I'm very much aligned, certainly with Clayton and where he is in, in golf design and what his views are on it. We've spoken a lot about it and I follow what he does and also with Jeff on his website. So, yeah, well, I think we're, 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 we're common, we're common spirits in a lot of ways and where the game is and where it should go to and, and the ideals that we should hold very dear and strong uh, going forward and, and why, you know, some of the things, some of the directions and roads we're going up as a game that we've got to be very careful that we don't go up those roads and, and, and you know, keep the, keep the game uh, dear to our hearts. As much as it's important about growing the game, but we must grow it in the right way. Um, and it, it's not just a question of, you know, trying a, trying a big, a big uh, can of paint at everything and trying to grow up numbers. We need to grow it in a... In, in, in a proper way and, and there's so many different ways that we can do that well, I, I for one am fascinated to hear the series of poor life decisions that led you to the place where you think Clayton <laughs> is a guru because uh, I too have made the same poor life decisions Paul yeah. be fantastic thanks for taking some time today mate we really appreciate it uh, it's a pleasure guys and well done keep up the good work thank you thanks, thanks Paul thank you Paul bye bye there we go. And we'll hear a click there as Paul hangs up. Uh, Shaq, I'm serious about that. What an interesting mind Paul McGinley has and what an interesting perspective he brings to the game, doesn't he? Because he's one of the few I've heard actually bring up that whole corporate side of golf. Well, he's right about that, isn't he? We do yeah. tend to shy away a bit from that, don't we, even though it is the reality of the game? Yeah, absolutely. No, no he is. Uh, he's a fantastic thinker, and, and uh, I think it's he's being modest. He's really helped bring this whole thing together with uh, the Irish Open and Lahinch and, and the idea of going to Lahinch and then everything they're going to do around it. I, I'm really jealous of the people who will be there. I'm, I'm very bummed. We're not, I'm not, I'm not going to get to see that. I think it'll be sensational. And then I think it'll be fascinating to see. I, I hope this sponsor, I mean, they were rewarded Dubai uh, duty free was rewarded once with uh, the Irish at uh, Royal County down, even though Rory missed a cut. And that was a bit of a downer. Um, it got so much attention because they took the tournament there. And this will do, I hope, the same because this is a very unusual golf course to be hosting mm. modern professional golf. And I don't think, I mean, Clyde's probably, I would assume, would agree, but probably 10, 15 years ago, I don't know if the players would have embraced what LaHinch will, will throw at them in terms of just sheer quirk, uh, the way that the, the current group, seems to be better aware uh, that they're they're getting to experience something special I think <laughs> although there's some there's some crazy bounces out there uh, to be had what do you reckon Clyde? yeah there are. yeah yeah it's uh, I've um I, I've only been to La Hinch once I didn't play it we're in a we're in a rush trip to the airport from Belly Bunyan with Billy Lomi and my friend and we um we stopped off there and walked as many holes as we could and yeah, look, it's what golf, I won't say what it should be, but because there are other versions of it that are as interesting, but almost as interesting, but it's full of quirk and wild stuff that um, some people would say 
is unfair, but we would say is you know, the whole spirit of the game really is embrace the unfairness of it and the blind shots and the bad bounces and the wind and the good draw and the bad draw and have a great time because it's you know it's golf which is there's nothing like it as Paul said it's great fun. Uh, Rod, one thing we didn't get to tackle with Paul, which will be in the Q and A that I, I post on my site, but uh, uh, I had to ask. Obviously, the Dell Hole is probably the the uh, most controversial, unusual hole that any professional golfer will ever <laughs> play in their career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to ask about that, and he definitely has some 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 consternation about how it will be received. But what he what he explained to me. Um, I think we'll, I actually think it'll be the opposite. I think it's going to be unbelievable. So they, he said they just got the approval from the European tour recently. They've, they've, they've rented a house behind the tee, and they're going to set up a video board that will show the player shots landing on the green uh, because, of course, they can't see it from the yeah, tee. For, it's for those not familiar, Shaq, explain what the yeah. Dell Hole is. It's a bizarre yeah, little hole, isn't it? Between, yeah, it's, I think I don't know the depth of the green, but it's it's not not deep, and it's sandwiched between two dunes, and it's a blind, totally blind tee shot. They tried to replicate that uh, the Dell at, at Aaron Hills, and and they did a a really fun hole there that sadly was was abandoned and not used in the U.S. Open, and and is abandoned. Period. Um, but it's uh, I actually think it's it's going to be the opposite, and and with that video screen element, it's actually going to be uh, the players are going to really get a kick out of it. I don't know where the fans will be situated. Uh, I'm assuming on the tee because it's it's uh, they're pretty steep dunes. Uh, but I told Paul that you know at the players' championship, they when the when the hole is cut back right now, we see a lot of players turn to the video screen or look to the screen off to their left to watch their ball feed down to the hole, and it's added a, actually a really fun element. It's just unusual, so. I think the Dell's going to be a big, uh, a big hit, and and it'll end up being a problem that that wasn't a problem, and and may end up being an asset. Um, so it's just one of those things that'll be fascinating about the place, mm. plus the crisscrossing holes and um, and some of the 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 uh, the contours. Are oh, just, it's uh, it's funky, isn't it? It's a genuinely yeah. funky golf course. There will be some pros who will be quite confronted by it, but uh, now I think it'd be fair. Sorry. I, I think they'll be prepared. I mean, I think that's the one thing we, we, we just underestimate is how much the players will – they're warned of that and they do a little homework and they know that it's something that's been there for a long time and it gets to what we talk about. If it feels natural and the player senses this is what nature created, they embrace it. Embrace if they it. feel like it's it's forced on them and it's not natural, their instinct is to reject it. Mm. That's not just true of pros, is it? That's true of all of us, I guess. But, oh, yeah, and that's what Max Baer and Alistair McKenzie and Robert Hunter and all of them were, were trying to get at with their their various writings. I think it would be fair to say that for the most part on this show, Clates, we tend to find the things that aren't great about golf and explore those and sort of bring those up. Grumpy old men would probably cover it. I'm feeling very buoyant and positive about the game, especially these next couple of weeks with the Irish Open, the Scottish Open, and then the Open Championship. Has there been a change? Do you think? I think Jeff's right. This, this modern crop of golfers, I suppose, I think particularly of Ricky Fowler, and we saw the pictures of him last year walking North Berwick, pushing his own, pushing his own push cart. I can't imagine that. 20 years ago, maybe it would have been possible, but is this new latest crop of golfers, are they more in touch? Is, is, is the, 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 the young kids authentic coming out in them and embracing this Lynx golf? Or am I just in a good mood for some unknown reason? 
No, I think you're in a good mood for some other. As Paul said, uh, you know, T- Tom Watson used to come over and he used to go over there and play at Belly Bunny and went, I think he used to go to Doorknock and play all that stuff. So, so there's always been some sort of embrace of the... I mean, the real key was getting all the Americans to play the Open sometime mm-hmm. in the... I remember years when Curtis Strange didn't play and you know, now, now there's a full embrace of the Open. They all go and play it when... You know, in the 60s, I mean, very few of them did. So, so that's been... the biggest change and now they're now they're they're leading up into it either playing the scottish and the irish and having three really fun weeks away from the john Deere classic and the what are they playing this week the 3m classic or something or the, the rocket mortgages i think or the rocket mortgage classic yeah. or something yes yeah. so mind you they're playing at valderrama in spain so <laughs> it could be worse. it could be worse <laughs> yes but um <laughs> and there are lots of guys who you know i see them raving about valderrama which is you know, about as unlinked like as you can get. So, um, and I suppose you can. You know, the quick, I, I suppose you can like both both forms of golf, but um, oh, it would be hard to love Belly Bunyan and love Valderrama at the same time, or, or La Hinch. Yeah. So, sorry, love what La Hinch and Belly Bunyan stand for, and then also love Valderrama, even though it's a obviously a much different course. But kind of, there's a lot of stuff there that we would shake our heads at. It's still funky and quirky, isn't it? Just not the same sort of funky and quirky as Lynch is. Uh, just yeah, it, yeah anyway. in a different way. This run-up to the Open of recent years, uh, Jack, they were very sensible to latch on to this time of the year and to really turn it into something, weren't they, the European Tour? It's fantastic for the game. This is a fantastic ad for the game starting next week at Lynch. I feel like it's this very distinct part of the calendar, isn't it? I, I think it's a great stretch. The, one, the only downside is that they pack so many of these together with then you have the women's open and the senior open mm-hmm. and it all goes in one lump but to 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 me it's fantastic um and gets everybody in in just loving kind of like the grass court season with tennis um and i think it's sensational and and now that the players i remember jeff ogilvy telling me a, a lot of players were worried about too much links golf in the winds messing with their swing playing that kind of game and I don't. You, you don't really hear that now. I mean, nobody plays uh, every single event, so that's part of it. Um, but I just think there's been a, a better embrace, and the European Tour has done a really nice job of going to the right places and um, thinking of not just that week's event, but how it will prep you for the Open Championship. And then, I mean, to Paul's point that he brought up, and I don't know who it is, but I, I'm going to go with Mickelson, I think, is the person who probably... Uh-huh. Has, has really deserves the credit for going and, and playing the Scottish and then going and winning the Scottish and the Open and what is arguably the greatest um, win of his career and what other players saw in that, uh, I think. And then, and then as he said, the, the track record of those who played the Scottish has been sensational. You know, Molinari is the outlier last year that's this, the sort of head-scratcher that he played the deer, and you just think, what on earth is he doing? He, and, and that worked, and... Uh, he, he turns up over at, he played very well there, and he turns up at Carnoustie and wins. Yeah, indeed. I suppose for the for the drinking game, people, I remember Tom Watson saying, he said, I could never play three weeks over here in a row because I would lose my swing. The ball was much more difficult oh, yeah. to, to play with in the wind. You know, that, that, that ballada ball in the wind, you, you know, you, you always finish up, you're leaning on it, trying to keep it down and fight it through the wind. But now the ball so much, it goes through the wind so much better. That's, that's kind of gone away, you know, a little bit. I, I think that 
you know, it was when you were playing that old ballada ball, if you played in yeah. big wins for a long time, you really did get to start leaning on it. And, uh, but that's gone and, away now. But. And that, and then Paul touched on it there uh, early on, Rod, in the comments, which, let's face it, you the, the four, uh, the, we all can talk about the architecture. <laughs> all the players really care about uh, what is the purse and is the course in good shape. And, and most links now, unless it's some freakish, drought year are, are, are so well-maintained and so good, almost too good. And that quiets so many of the players down as well and, and makes them uh, feel like they're going to get a fair shake uh, regardless of tea time draw or weird bounces. So that's, that's huge too. And, and then the, uh, the travel is just uh, is easier. easier. So they really don't have that many excuses other than, you know, the lost luggage issue, which does seem to, and fuck, happen an amazing yeah. amount with golf. <laughs> it's quite a, I think Twitter's exposed in a, something that was, must have been underlined yeah, for I mean, years, how much luggage gets lost around the world every day on airlines. Every day I open up, there's tweets from people losing all sorts of stuff. I think You forgot one thing in the player's trifecta there, um, Shaq. Condition of the course, uh, quality of the hotel is the other thing. Uh, I can't remember what your third one you said was, but there's three things they think about. How good's the hotel they're staying? How good's the golf course condition? And yeah, whatever the third need, one you mentioned. Yeah, they need good lodging in the vicinity. Yeah. And, and most of them are very good at that now. And, and again, you can research all that so easily. And the tournaments do so much. Well, it's an industry, isn't make, it? There's people oh, who specialize yeah, in it. You know, yeah. So yeah. the tournaments have gotten, the best tournaments anyway, have gotten very good at that. And and they'll be. Uh, they'll, I know that is an issue with Lahanch that lodging was a, a matter for for some. But um, now it'll be sensational, and I I, uh, I think the world will uh, get a big kick out of of seeing Lahanch. And then you know, just the Irish Open, the trajectory it's on is great. Getting now here in this slot uh, before the Scottish, so that because it, it was a little bit uh, disconnected, so you're going to get a little better weather, warmer weather, and it it just it would be fun to see somebody be playing in it who is there just simply because they just they just want to go you know like watson they just want to go over and play that kind of golf and that's probably the one difference right clay so they don't they're ricky fowlers and bubba's who go play north barrack and that's great um but there still isn't anybody really truly just going for the fun of of playing yeah. and that just may yeah. be the, the way the game has changed and it's big business too much money for yeah, fun, it's a big run. Um, we we left out the the Evian Championship as well. <laughs> in terms of don't make me laugh. Um, the major run, which is of course the week before the Women's British Open, I think, or the week after. Uh, oh right, uh, so they're, they're playing before, two yeah. majors in a row, which is completely yeah. crazy. Oh, man, it's yeah. a complete mess. Anyway, yeah, got some stuff to sort. Yeah, starting from the US Open, it's an incredible run. US Open and the the, LP, the women's LPJ last week, then Irish, Scottish, British, women's British, heavy, and yeah, it's all happening. Well, yeah. Let's talk about that. We've been focusing on the future a bit, which is unlike us. We like to pick away at the past, uh, generally speaking. We haven't spoken since the US Open. Uh, Jeff, we did some. We did a podcast in the lead-up to it. Uh, you were there. How was it? What unfolded? What was your take on Woodland's win? It was, uh, it was quite the week, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was a, a, a very successful week. Sadly, the, the weather didn't cooperate uh, to show off Pebble Beach quite the way we'd hoped. Now, tell me exactly what who, whose feed do you get down there? We get an international USGA feed. So we had Ewan Porter and Ned Michaels and who else was on there? Clates. 
I can't remember. And then we get a bit of the yeah, we get a bit of the host broadcaster as well. But yeah, when you guys go no to break, good, it? it's not great. It's but not great. look, what we don't get is the um, is all the ads and a lot of the essay stuff. I think that you right, get. Right. So we get. So do you get Fox's visuals though? I mean, do you, is it? It's it's got to be there. Yeah. Their production. Yeah, it's I mean, constant yeah. golf. We just see constant golf. So when you guys go, when we go to the international feed, what you see is a lot of the international players. So you'll get to see a bit of Satoshi Kadara and, you know, Mark Leishman and someone who's not in contention but is from somewhere outside of the US. Uh, we'll get to see them play a couple of holes or whatever. So, um, Well, visually it was it was really stunning, even in the, the dank. I mean, it was dank weather. Um, Here's a theory was, for you, Jack. Derek Duncan cool, reckons that the overcast conditions made it look better on television. Well, I wonder yeah, whether he might be right. Ways. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Although Pebble Beach, when the sun is out, it's and the water's calm, it, mm. it's pretty stunning too. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it still looked great, and the and the drone shots and mm. and Fox bringing different camera positions, things like that, really highlighted the the golf course and the kind of the the I mean the look of the sixth tee shot, things like that were just um, I think made it feel fresh and it looked awesome and they you know they went very carefully about the setup and and they certainly erred on the side of caution and that was well known and i think the biggest thing that was a change was the willingness to allow the setup to evolve each day which is something they'd gotten away from they've tried to have the same green speed sunday night to sunday night and this year they didn't they they started at a certain place and then each day the greens uh, picked up a little firmness and speed despite the weather, and the players uh, seemed fine with that. Nobody, nobody claimed any kind of conspiracy theory that they were they were ramping it up or they were driving on the way out and they saw them watering, which is all things like that have happened there before. And um, so I thought they did a, a very good job uh, presenting the course in a way that was was tough, but was uh, not allowing it to be. Uh, flipping over into goofiness and which was what they had to do this year. Um, so, and then, you know, Gary Woodland, the shot he hit on uh, 17 was just remarkable. I, I got to hit that putt a few times um, when I was up there in May and uh, I hit it as a putt, but I was, I started about 10 feet left of where he was. And for somebody who, who's never been a great wedge player to hit that shot under us open pressure, I just mm. think it's, it was a moment, uh, wasn't it? It was a, it was astounding to yeah. pull that off. I, I really, I mean, he was he used to not be good at all with a wedge in his hand, and that is a shot you have one little area to land that in with spin, and to clip it that way mm. under pressure. I understand he's a professional golfer, and that's what they do. But it's, it's, uh, it was. I was really happy. It was really rewarding as a viewer to see that that kind of moment, and then. Uh, play 18 beautifully and, and to face uh, a charge from, from Kepka. So he, he had it all thrown at him and, and a sensational performance. It was a hell of a finish, yeah, wasn't it? Shots to his, sorry, three shots was very misleading. Yes. In terms of how close it was. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, if Kepka does um, get within one, that putt that Woodland had on 18 that he made, um, <laughs> that is that's a scary two putt. Yeah, with the U.S. Open on the line, and so that the fact that he made that putt was was great, and the reaction and the way he sealed it. But that's one of those. I think he would have putted very differently had he only had a one shot lead. It was it was uh, it was a really 
subtle hole location. I, I was kind of surprised when I saw it first thing, and then I went out there and watched them finish the setup and watched them hit putts to it, and I realized, oh, boy, that putt from above is or, or from the side is one that can really get away with you, from you quickly. Well, we, so We saw everybody miss uh, it left and long, didn't we? It, it, it ran three feet further than everybody expected, and it never – it, it broke more than it sort of drifted more yeah. than people expected. We saw putt after putt amazing. do that. Yeah, yeah. So. just an amazing putt. So yeah, I thought it was a good event. Um, you know, and the golf course is is of course completely outdated in terms of uh, requiring drivers, and they're hitting wedges into too many holes, and there's all that. But um, uh, and that was with very little roll. Uh, the ball was not running. So you know, it highlighted again where we are with the. The distance issue, it it, um, it 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 was tough, but it was not the complete test, test. it's been in the past. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean I don't, you know, the number of drivers hits kind of kind of sad, and and they were tracking all that. By the way, the the uh, walking scores, those people work hard. They had to <laughs> they had to do they had to keep score. They had to enter it with this dodgy Wi-Fi, and they had to enter. Uh, uh, clubs hit oh. I thought was interesting both on par threes and off of uh, tees okay so sort of USJ shot link light by the USJ well and they're tracking things for for, for distance yeah. uh, studies yeah. fantastic Clates uh, had we had the different result had Kepka sort of you know managed to get up there, would, would that second shot he hit into 18 would we be making more of that is, was, is that one of the under the circumstances one of the great shots hit in the USA but I know it trickled through the back and he didn't get it up and down it but my goodness, what a blow that was with a driving iron from after a perfect tee shot. I mean, that, he played that hole magnificently, didn't he, for no reward? Yeah, it was a great second shot, no doubt. But um, yeah, yeah, we just look at. I remember Dan Pohl knocked it on there in 1982, and where he finished third, and no one could believe it. I mean, mm. no one was getting on that green too, and to think that you know, and, and Pohl was the longest hitter on the tour at the time, pretty much back then. Mm. Uh, you know, it shows how much the game's changed. So, so do we give Kepka more credit for hitting a three on them? Yeah. I mean, if he'd done it 35 years ago, it would have been pretty mm. astounding, but mm. now it's just, okay, it was a good shot. I mean, look, it was a hell of a shot. But. It, was, it wasn't the seven iron that Dustin Johnson hit in there on Thursday. Seven iron, yeah, Jack. Seven iron I, into the 18th yeah. of Pebble Beach. It's nuts. It's really? Nuts. And it's also, to their yeah. credit, to the players' credit, it's nuts how, what an aggressive line they take. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, we, 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 we rail about the irons hit in, um, but I do admire the, the fortitude it takes to, to go on the line that they go on on that tee shot. Um, and I, I think that is a change in mentality that's fascinating. I don't know. How, how, how to what to make of that? But it, I mean, it is a bold, bold line. Did, did Kepke hit three wood off the tee on Sunday? I think he might have, didn't he? He ripped, ripped a three wood there around the corner rather than a driver. I, I, I don't recall. Mm, anyway, doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, interesting tournament. Fast forward a bit, and I suppose this one was probably of more interest to you and I, Clates, but I want to get Shackelford's thoughts on Hannah Green's win the other day. We've gone crazy for it in Australia, crazier than I thought we would. Clates, which is interesting. I'll come to you about that shortly and perhaps why that is. I saw a headline on your site, but I didn't get to read the story, Shaq, about something to do with the Hall of Fame and Hannah Green's win. What was the response to Hannah Green's victory last week in the States? Oh, uh, I don't know if there really was one. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it was a a tournament, a conclusion, and uh, (laughs) there 
I mean, it was just a lot of golf going on, and, yeah. and um, it's the 11th winner in the last 11 majors for the LPGA, so it, a lot of a discussion kind of uh, turned quickly to more of the same about what, what's what's going on with, with this. Is this a, a problem for the LPGA and and interest and and uh, I I don't think it is. I think it's just a it's a run they're in, and there will be runs with dominant players, but. It's it's bringing up a lot of issues in terms of uh, upcoming television rights and and the discussion about purses and inequity in that front and um, it's a it's a it's a very tricky time right now for the the LPGA Tour and the and the commissioner because they don't want to position themselves as uh, as a tour that's that's um, on the decline or or not uh, what it should be. Um, but they also want to get a certain message out that they they are uh, wanting to be noticed and rewarded, and so um, I don't know. I, I watched it. I had it on, but there was nothing. It was just a really good performance from beginning to end. It seemed like. Is, what else there is to say? <laughs> is it is the problem, Shaq? It may be a. I think this is interesting about the reaction we've had here compared to what we saw in the states. Is the problem the lack of an American presence? Then, you know, it's easy to point to races. Oh, there's too many Koreans, and you know, people say that's racist and all the rest of it. But is the truth really just that there's not a cheering interest for the home crowd, or enough, or often enough a cheering interest for the home crowd, or is that too simplistic? Uh, uh, I think it's too simplistic. That's thrown out a lot, but you look at the numbers and some of the the, the ratings and the interest in women's golf uh, when it was at its highest came when Annika Sorenstam and and Lorena Ochoa were the dominant forces, mm-hmm. and Americans liked them. Um, so I think I think it's more that we we like stars and we like uh, people who are achieving levels of all time greatness more than we do, we do our own. Uh, frankly, mm-hmm. I mean we we you know we we have a lot of tennis fans here, uh, and we've been awful in men's tennis for quite a while now, um, but. There are certain legends in action still, and so we value that. I, I that's just at least that's what I sense. Hmm. Uh, it would help to have some some American uh, women who were who were uh, more more Lexi Thompsons and and uh, you know and a Christy Kerr hanging around and Paula Kramer and and uh, who were contending more and Michelle Wee's obviously her week is signifying that she. I was yeah. surprised she was even playing, frankly. I mean, I thought she was going to shut it down for the summer, um, but she tried to play through, and it looks like to me like it's, is she it's possi- backfiring. Is she possibly great. done? She actually seemed to suggest it. It kind of sounds that way, yeah. yeah. I mean, she sounds like she's burned out with the injuries, and they've worn her down, and that's kind of why I was happy to hear she was just going to shut it down mm. and get married. And and but So when she popped up at the LPGA, I was a little surprised and saddened that it, it went the way it did. Mm. What a shame. Yeah. Good. Well, she she's been such a story for so long, hasn't she? You understand why she's burned out. I mean, good. That, that must drag after a while. Well, yes, and no. I mean, she's had breaks, but the burnout comes to me from the the injuries yeah. and what they do to you uh, mentally, and then the bad habits you get in. And mm. you know, Lexi Thompson's been at it a lot longer than people realize. Mm, true. Twelve years. Um, was she twenty four? And it's yeah. twelve years. That was her twelfth U.S. Open. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. But. She's, you know, her issues have come sometimes from social media, but mm. she's remained essentially healthy and 
that's why she, I think, you know, there's still a, uh, a great future there for her. And when you look at her wristed impact, Shaq, if anybody should have a bad wrist, goodness oh my me, God. <laughs> it's Back, just wrist, terrifying you know, what she does to herself. Amazing positions yeah. in the swing that you do wonder, but maybe, maybe her action um, helps prevent that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know either. You would, you would. Common sense tells you that you look at a still shot of her at impact that she's got to have a wrist problem right. at some point, and she hasn't had yeah. ever. So yeah. there you go, Clayton. So I wanted to come back to. The reaction here to Hannah's win in Australia, Shaq, we have gone nuts about it. And I right. think, Clades, in a funny way, more nuts than had Minji Lee won. What oh, do you I reckon about yeah. that? Well, I think there was a connection with Ashley Barty, who, Shaq, I'm not sure if that came out in America, but she won a tennis match the night before, which put her to number one in the world. So with an Aboriginal father, I think, and Hannah's got a Maori father from New Zealand, so... It was the, the two of them are kind of connected together, really. You know, they both did these amazing things pretty much in the same on the same day, almost. And Sally Fitzgibbon, I think, became the world number yeah. one surfer on the same yeah, day. But, so it was a big day but, for Australian women. But Barty and Hannah seem, you know, very much the same. Very quiet, very laid back. Very the things Australians love about their sports people, and the opposite is what they hate. I'm not saying. I mean, Minji's clearly not. You know, she's not in the Curious Atomic class, but and in fact, there's no connection at all. But Hannah's such a likable, lovable almost person that you know, people don't know her very well in America, obviously. But she's been, she's great. You know, she's great fun and she's a terrific player. And but yeah, we went crazy because you know it was it was the Barty and the Fitzgibbon and the and the Hannah thing all in one day, really. Mm. And, and you know, it makes it a lie of the fact that you need great depth to produce champions because we've only got we've got you know not that many really good female golfers and barely any female tennis players certainly that, that were born in Australia we've got Daria Gabrielova who was Russian well not much I think she was Russian but you know they're kind of one-offs really a little bit I mean Hannah not in golf so much because of Minji and Sue but um, Barty's certainly a one-off in tennis and making a lie of the you know you need a great pool of players to produce champions. She's she's just a the outlier who was always been a great player. I'm not sure if you know Jeff, but she she was um, Barty gave up tennis for two years and played cricket. Oh and wow! Then came, and then came back to it. So she was a gun when she was what, right, thirteen or fourteen? Yeah, I think mid teens, yeah, maybe, yeah, early teens, you know, yeah. and kind of burned out and went and played women's cricket for two years. Wow. And then huh. went to went to 650 in the world. What? How long ago? What, 18 months ago? Was, yeah, I, I'm not. I don't follow the tennis, but my understanding, yeah, from I what think, I've read, yeah, yeah, you know, just, came back and so, so the point being that Hannah and Ashley Barty did, did this amazing thing on the same day, pretty much that mm. sent the country crazy. Yeah, but yeah it was. Um, it was a great week for Hannah for sure. This, uh, what role, I often come to this, and I don't. It's probably questions that are unanswerable. Shaq. It, it comes down to what role personality plays in how we rank victories and stuff, too, doesn't it? Is, is that sure. Where, yeah. where, where the person who's one fits in the public psyche of what they are. And I suppose what I was trying to get out there with the Minji and Hannah comparison. We expect Minji Lee will win a major at some point. In fact, you know, we're just waiting until she does. It's just this. This uh, Hannah was a bit unexpected and. She's nice. She's this. Most golfers have know something of Hannah, and she's this sort of nice girl next door. And it just creates a story that's a bit unusual uh, in winners, I think. 
Yeah, like it or not, we uh, love charisma and players that show a little bit of uh, a personality and, and some brains, and, and it, it's, uh, it doesn't always happen because golf is a sport that rewards a certain kind of personality, so when they do combine it, it they stand out. Um, and she is clearly somebody who uh, is not afraid of doing an interview and is comfortable in her own skin, and, and we respond to that. And um, I, I, I certainly feel for the players who aren't that way because it, it's, um, it's a lot to manage. But she was uh, sensational, and that's and – that's, and, you know, that, we discussed this before, but in a lot of this conversation about the LPGA, that's, that's a lot of the LPGA players – um, and, and where I find their, their new ad campaign to be a little bit, a little bit scary, a little bit dangerous. I mean, those ads are running a lot, uh, here. You probably don't see them, uh, but you might see them on Twitter, but they're, they don't show off that side of the players. And I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's a mistake. Hmm. I wonder whether. You wonder whether that's dictated by, they've looked at the players and said, what can, what can we use that they've got? Do you know what I mean? Are, are enough of the players like that? Oh, Hand, sure, yeah. Handers are natural. If they don't have it, you can't promote it, can you? You can't pretend. Um, yeah, no. So now that we're going to do these stories of the things that they've overcome, yeah. and, and, and that's great for some of the players. It's a true story. It's an authentic story. But that shouldn't be the only thing you're trying to, to do to, to lure people in and make you make them excited about watching watching these players play golf. Mm-hmm. Uh a lot of it is, as you heard with Paul, they they just want to go to an event where they're, it's a festive event and and uh, uh, nice people to root for, and they'll look past the fact that it took six hours to play, and they um, you know stand over the ball for for a month and um, <laughs> all those things that, that go on in professional golf these days. Indeed, the irony of Rod the LPJ is that. You, you, there's that criticism you hear that there are no American stars, and as Jeff, Jeff's right, he points out that it was huge when Lorraine and Annika and Kerry Webb were the guns. But um, yeah, that's right. The, yeah. the strength of the LPGA is the Asian players, the Koreans, and the Thais and the Taiwanese players who who have taken that tour outside of the United States, and I mean almost half the tours outside of the um, US now. So, in a sense, you could argue the strength of that tour is the fact that it's, it's international a true flag. world tour mm. where they play all over the world. And I mean, SH Park and you know, Sayong and NBA, I mean, they're megastars in Korea. Mm. So, that's been a huge part of the development of that tour is its ability to take its best players outside of America and have them be embraced by Asia and Australia and Europe. And so, it's a true world tour now, really. So, it's a very myopic view to say there are no American stars. Well, you know, if if the game had had no international players, God knows where the LPGA Tour would be now. Might be a 12-tournament swing through America and that would be it. Mm, it's an interesting question to ponder, isn't it? I wonder if, you, if you're the commissioner, Shaq, uh, and you're sort of trying to drive the, to- the, the tour in America there. It's an awkward spot, isn't it? There's a, there's a natural hostility amongst many in the golf community towards just women's golf. You, you see some of the trolling that goes on of the LPGA players, it's just just appalling. It's far more hostile than what you see a lot of the PGA Tour players come to. You, you've got a hurt, an added hurdle there, don't you, just because of the fact that they're women? Uh, well, that, I think that's been a more recent phenomenon. Um, I don't know where that comes from other than social media and 
it is astounding some of the things that are that are put out there and we have a, a, a kind of a cultural thing going on with this barstool sports and uh, the um, the stoolies I think they're known as so um, there, there's a and and obviously Trump's been a part of of, of enabling some people who um, look to his his treatment of uh, of people uh, and and it's sort of freed up uh, that idea but um, I don't I don't uh, really understand it to be honest with you um, but uh, especially in golf it's generally been a civil sport and one where we have empathy for the athletes because it's it's so difficult but. It just is. Uh, it, it has changed, so it's a tricky thing, and that's what some of the coverage after the event. And then Karen Krause in the New York Times went on a little bit of a tweet storm yesterday about everything that that the Golf Channel and and media is not doing for the LPGA, and um, that they've been saddled with this bad television contract, and and so there are a lot of things being thrown about, and the commissioner kind of started some of that conversation, and. I I think it's very uh, it's a very tricky time for him. He's going to have to 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 be careful because uh, they they have a lot of fans who still watch on regular television, and they have a lot of international issues and and uh, with TV and rights and things to deal with, and and so um, they have a and the PGA Tour now is handling their television negotiations. They just are about to extend for two more years, and then it'll align with the PGA tour and the tour will go to the table with the networks with their, their tournaments, the LPGA champions, the corn ferry tour. Dear and they will, I can't say it without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, I wonder too, you know, when they're listening and they're looking at, at, at listings and, and and uh, they, I'm sure they'll have big boards with tournaments and and how to lay out the lineup of of, of events. Where's the LPGA going to be as as a priority for for the the PGA Tour and that? They, they that's another tricky thing. So there's a lot going on in the next uh, six to ten months uh, for them and and where they'll be seen in the future. As uh, at least here domestically in the United States. So just to back up, are you saying that so, so the PGA Tour is going to handle the television rights negotiations for the old PGA Tour? Is that part of that arrangement they came to earlier this year? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yep, that was part of the arrangement. Is that smart? So that's why they, uh, yes, potentially, because right now their, their ratings are terrible this year. Um, they're down, and so... Being part of that, uh, uh, having that sort of uh, leverage game going on will help them. If they were really, if they were numbers where they were a few years ago, uh, I would say the opposite. I'd say, wow, uh, they could get the short shrift, and um, th- this is not a good idea. But I think right now, the way things are going, uh, it could help them, and uh, and they may finally force them to to not be i mean they just end way too turn too many tournaments on a sunday afternoon against the men against other you know major sporting mm-hmm. events and i don't know why they've been so resistant to not uh positioning their tournaments a little bit better to either finish on a saturday or a monday and look at certain markets or maybe they have a lot of retirees who are volunteers so they're not they have no problem finishing on a monday um, a lot of a lot of sponsors have loved the idea of, of uh, the pro ams on Saturday and Sunday, and then uh, you know Monday through Thursday or, or uh, Sunday mm-hmm. through Wednesday tournaments that that uh, you know they're just they they've shown they they have not been willing to break out of that 
that mode, and uh, I just think the way the world's going, that uh, you know, it just seems like a wiser way to go. But how I did don't, that experiment work for the web.com? They did a couple of those last year they? in the Bahamas. They did the Monday to Wednesday thing. How did that work out for them? I, I think they dropped it, didn't they, after two years? Uh, well, they did it again this year in the oh, Bahamas. Did they? Okay, well, there you go. Going going forward, but yeah, no, they've done it, and and the Golf Channel loved it, and it got them. Uh, noticed a little bit more being earlier in the week so i you know it's up to the individual sponsor and how important the pro-ams are and all those there are a lot of things to juggle yeah. don't get me wrong it's not just as simple as scheduling different days and it requires certain certain people to uh, uh sign off on it that may not like breaking from the traditional model does it smack of gimmick is that the problem shack and that's the same question for you close is that the problem uh, is there a resistance because no. it smacks of gimmick well, here in the U.S., the NCAA has has scheduled the the NCAA championships, and the the the, the NCAA men on a playing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on television got better ratings than the U.S. Women's Open got on on Fox. The first Fox Sports won on the first two rounds, so um, those weren't great ratings for the uh, Women's Open, obviously. And then, but you know, that was great exposure and and. Um, the conversation in the world of golf was about the NCAA and nothing else because there was nothing else going on. So, and and it's a younger audience that uh, isn't set in their ways that a golf tournament fish, finishes on Sunday afternoon. It, it, so it's, it's found a niche too, hasn't it? That NCAA thing so since they put it on Golf Channel a couple of years ago, it's just gone nuts, hasn't it? People love it. The, the match play. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's team match play, and people love their universities yeah. here, and. and um, Players have shown a lot of passion, and and it's the next generation of players, yeah. and uh, so yeah, it's been it's been very uh, successful. I think in large part thanks to the the format and the and not trying to run up against the yeah. the, uh, the PGA Tour. Yeah, indeed, they've got a few things. What do you reckon, Clades? Is there a problem with? Was that you having a coughing fit there? Are you still with us? You you haven't expired? Absolutely not. No, good. No, good to what, what, before Jeff, that was his way of interrupting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> no. Before Jeff mentioned it, I I was going to say, why don't they play Monday or Thursday? Which, you know, yeah, I think it'll be, I think to try it out. I, you know, I don't have a, you know, I think that'd be a great idea. I just think going up against men on Sundays it makes no sense at all. Well, the worst sometimes we've had days on Sundays here in the U.S. where we have the tour on one channel, the champions on one, and 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 the LPGA on another. It happens. Uh, in fact, it may happen. This week, uh, with the Senior Open, I believe it's the one where you just sit there and you go, "Are you kidding me? Really? We're all, all three of you are going to hmm. be playing, finishing at the same time? Like, this is not a good idea for, for any of you." It's Who's going to blink first? Though is the is the question, yeah. isn't it? I mean, you know the. Well, yeah. and so that may be where, if the PGA Tour is handling their negotiations, they're able to. Yeah, you know, hmm. it could go either way, but it may it may work out better where they may position it and time it better. They may say, "Well, you know, that event should be." over on the west coast and then it'll follow the men um on um uh, on your channel or whatever so yeah. we'll see if we can land on the moon we can schedule all all golf to us to, to the country yeah, i think the, the bigger question though is is there's just too much yeah well um, exactly yeah and that's that's the thing that none of them want to deal with but uh there, there's just too much golf uh, on television and so yeah, all this sort of consternation over the LPGA, I think, is some of it just is related to the fact that we just have an oversaturated product in pro golf. In fact, you could, you could switch out LPGA for a number of other tours, couldn't you? Um, sure. Close to the Asian tour, the Japanese tour, uh, European, European tour. tour in a lot of ways, yeah. does not get... But they really need to add Saudi Arabia, really. Well, <laughs> that's a, 
it's bizarre that they are still anyway they, that they're still yeah. so yeah, committed yeah. to that is just, and it only gets worse with every passing week doesn't it um and yet they continue to to stay with it interesting times what have i missed in all that shack what are the big stories that uh you know, i just wanted to touch on those majors because we hadn't hadn't mentioned what have i missed in that before we wrap it up what else has happened well um you know, it's, uh, I, the u.s open certainly highlighted the um uh, the discussion about uh, older golf courses and, and technology and architecture. I don't know what you guys thought, but I think it was fun to see how many people noticed lost hole locations uh, with Fox's drone shots and blimp shots and crane shots. And that was that was fun. I, I loved hearing people like, hey, wow, look at that. You can see where that green used to go there, you know. And, and so I, I think that's fantastic that people are recognizing it, unfortunately, to the Pebble Beach company doesn't necessarily uh, mm. agree. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm enjoying this general uh, awareness of architecture uh, that we just kind of, and I don't know how you measure it, but it's, it's fun to see. And I mean, Andy Johnson's helping there are a lot of different people putting mm. things out there to help raise that awareness. Yeah. Just on a, by the way, what a, what an absolute positive Fox have been. I think there was a lot of us were skeptical when they did, but they have really, they've really done fantastic things with their TV coverage. I think Shaq, um, yeah, they they've definitely raised the bar yeah. with uh, uh, the visual side, and this year was the first year they. I think they you could safely say they had a telecast that was free of anything that anybody could really gripe about. I mean, if there were people griping about Azinger, I'm not sure why, and then there were people going, "God, the golf just so much better with Azinger." <laughs> so um, you can't win with I, commentators. It doesn't matter who you put up. Half yeah, the, some are going to hate them, and some are going to love them. That's just the reality of yeah. that that business, isn't um, it? So. so yeah, no, that was great, and they. I think they're they're this new tracer uh, technology where the camera can move with the with the flight of the ball. It's just one of those things, you know, when people are walking through a bar or they're watching sitting at the nineteenth hole and they look up, and you just know that it it catches your eye, and you, and you say, well, that that just takes golf uh, visually to another level in terms of of a telecast. So yeah, they they finally are backing up what they initially came out and said they would do. Yeah, and an actual innovation. We haven't had one in golf for so long that some people haven't even recognized it, but it's an actual innovation. So that's uh, yeah, that's nice. What have I missed, Clates? What have you been ranting about in the last couple of weeks, and what do you want to rant about in the next couple of weeks? No, what no, have no, I missed? No, no, been no rants. No, no, we're just looking forward to the Open and yeah. the Irish. and the. This is the sweet uh, spot, isn't it? This, uh, yep. This, for me, this, this, because you got you got the Open and the Scottish and the Irish and the women and the seniors, and you just get to see a lot of Lynx golf on your nice big flat screen TV, and it's just a wonderful time of year, I feel. And Wimbledon yeah. starts next week, which is always great to watch in Australia because it's the middle of the night, so we get to kind of see that, which is always fun. So for people who go to Britain at this time of the year, it's because they've backed the British Open, the Open up to the up to Wimbledon, that's three weeks now in a row, which is pretty amazing time to be in Britain and watching sport. You watch the cricket, Jeff, which you've got no interest in, but the World Cup cricket's on at the moment. Tennis and golf, it's a great time to be over there. Royal Ascot, don't forget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the Edinburgh Festival on around this forget. time as well? Comedy Festival, I'm pretty sure. So there's, uh, no matter what your taste is, oh, we're all surprisingly upbeat and happy today. People won't recognise this as a proper state of the game, but there you go. Isn't that nice? It must be just the time. Yeah, and, and we have Port Rush looming, and yeah. I think that's going to be a lot yeah, of fun. It'll be great. Um, I'm anxious to see the, the new the new holes uh, and how those fit in, and 
how uh, how the whole thing works. But I, it seems like everybody's pretty confident over there that it's going to be successful. Yeah. Well, it's well, it's just nice to see some experience. Uh, you you know, it's going to be crazy with the crowds and whatnot. Uh, it's going to be a great open atmosphere. There's no question about that. Just with with it going there for the first time in so long. Yeah, and the Open the last few years has been a little bit uh, dead. It, it has, hasn't it? Well, what are they charging yeah. for tickets? A crazy price, isn't it? Yeah, it's absurd. It's uh, 85 pounds a day. Well, I told you that conversation. I think we talked on an earlier show that Tiger was was asking me about. The, it brought that up about how dead it was the first two days, and uh, it's that price of the ticket and um, some of the they do the, they do the nice things around it too, like Paul's trying to do with the Irish, but mm. it not quite it just doesn't quite have the the soul to it like the scottish and the irish opens do it's it's a little more corporate um but this year will be the energy will be off the charts and i you know and then rory it's just going to be i don't know how he's going to deal oh, with it's, it. it's going to be it's brutal, uh, isn't it? <laughs> I think he's either going to win or he's going to miss a cut yeah. it's just going to be either or <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not a a fun position to be in in one way but on the other hand the place the energy pulling for him is going to be off the charts he may just get sick of hearing his name screamed um but he he should be the the, the favorite and with experience on the golf course and so that that'll be fun but It'll, we have we have a lot of good golf before that oh absolutely well, that, and that's the great thing isn't it so it's all building to this uh to this crescendo which will be just phenomenal. All right, well, let's uh, let's pack it up and leave it there. Clates, great to catch up with you as always uh, and get your insights. Looking forward to uh, chatting with you over the next couple of weeks as all this Lynx golf unfolds. It'll be wonderful to watch and get your insights. But thanks yeah, for thanks. some time today. Thanks, Todd. Enjoy it. Yeah, as always. And Shaq, great to talk to you again as always. What when are you off? You, I assume you're off to the Open. When are you off? Uh, do you get to go the week before uh, for Scottish? I'm or off until the uh, no, no Scottish this year. So I'm off the the week of the Scottish. So we should try to uh, line somebody up uh, uh, before the. Uh, uh, the Open, who who can uh, give us a little bit of an update on Royal Portrush. Yeah, that's so a, I, I have a thought on that. So okay, we'll, fantastic. We'll, show. we'll explore that uh, once we hit the stop button. Uh, thank you for your time, Shaq. That's fantastic. Look forward to catching up for that episode. To all of those listening, thanks for joining. Hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed talking. And as Shaq has alluded to there, we'll be back very soon to do it all again here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a Talk and Golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.